if there's anything I learned this past week, actually past life, but this past week is just got to embrace what you put out into the universe. Yeah. And if a video isn't perfect, it's just not perfect. And that's okay. Yeah. Is that not just the lesson of right now? I tell you. Yeah. yeah it's the We're same for me. It's the same for me with just like who I am as a human right now as well. Just like, okay, I'm just, you know, I'm just not very present or whatever, you know, I'm just really allowing my full humanness to be here now. So completely unpolished. Good. We can be human together. Yay. Um, and on that note, let's do our introduction of, hi everyone who's watching this video. My name is Magda. I'm the CEO of Kocharia and with me is Kelly Wendorf, the Wonder Woman for today because this video is part of our Wonder Woman Wednesday series. Mm. I started this series because I realized that we have so many amazing women in our community and many of them get to come to webinars and things and that's great. But you know what? Um, first of all, many don't. But also, it's life isn't just about what we do for a living and uh, hardcore coaching, you know, which is what a lot of Kocharia is about. So I wanted to showcase the people behind all the expertise and amazing things they're doing and do a bit of self-promotion because frankly, I want women to support each other. I want to support other women. So this is an opportunity to support the amazing women that I'm interviewing. Um, and frankly, you know, I just want to show how we as women make the world a little better every day. So. That's why we're here. That's terrific. That's terrific. So hi, Kelly. Hi, Magda. Nice to see you. And your enthusiasm so just oozes through the screen. I can feel it all the way to there. I'm glad. Me, I'm glad. Makes my cheeks hurt. I'm smiling so much. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I feel like my jaw started cracking because I smile so right. much nowadays, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. There are worse problems to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well, Kelly, we're having I mean, me. I I'm really, really pleased to be here and I've been looking forward to this, so thank you. Awesome. I mean, I have a lot of questions for you. I want to hear your entire life story, but I want to start with some exciting, exciting news. Um, you've got a book coming out. I do, I do. It's called, oh Flying, I know, it's called Flying Lead Change, 56 Million Years of Wisdom for Leading and Living. And I was asked by, and this doesn't happen often, so I'm really, really proud. I was asked by a publisher, approached by a publisher in 2019. They called me on the phone and I was in a particularly challenging um, kind of chapter of my life. And I was feeling really like there was just so much sort of futility floating around my consciousness and the phone rang and i'm looking at it going oh who's this you know i'm in that kind of mood and i pick up the phone and it's the publisher and they said we've been reading your articles and essays for a long time would you like to do a book and i was like would i like to do a book are you kidding yes they said do you have one in you and i just i totally lied because i didn't really have one but i just said yeah i can yes i can do that and so it's coming out October of 2020, and I'm really oh my God. proud of it. And I think it's going to be a really special book. It weaves together, it, you know, it's really about the work that I do, but it weaves together neuroscience, coaching, contemplative wisdom, um, equine behavioral sciences, uh, nature-based wisdom, and indigenous wisdom into this sort of braided 
pedagogy, which is our approach to leadership development. Wow. But there's a lot of stories in there and stories of really, you know, the human heart and people's courageous journeys to self-actualize themselves. And um, yeah, it's a special book. So look out for that. That's pretty cool. Um, October 2020. Okay. So we have to book you in for this webinar and you're going to the book tour, I hope. So I can finally meet you in person. Yes. Yes. And then we can hug all awesome. over each other. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of that and a lot of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. So 56 million. What's the significance of 56 million? Well, the horse herd, um, and for those who, who know the, you know the work that I do, I, I am a master coach. And for people who come and work here with us here in Santa Fe, we have uh, some co-facilitators, co and they are a herd of horses, seven horses and a donkey. And the reason that I work with horses is because they are really a very ancient system. So have you ever heard of uh, biomimicry? Biomimicry. I feel like is, I have, but I'm not going to pretend that I know. <laughs> so classically, you know, so the word bio life and mimicry. So it, it basically is a, is a science that uses um, nature to inform things like um, architecture. And so, for example, right. Okay. Right. What they've used. Um, there's a story about the Japanese bullet train that was going so fast when it went inside the tunnels, there would be a sonic boom and that disrupted the neighborhoods. And so they, they like, well, how are we gonna fix this? And so a designer looked at the head of a kingfisher and the kingfisher has to, you know, at enormous speeds and velocities go through the air and then pierce the water and, and do it in a way that's really seamless and not create too much, um, uh, concussion on the skull. So he shaped the train to be like the head of a kingfisher. Sure enough, no sonic boom, and it increased their energy efficiency. So that's an example that's of so biomimicry. Cool. And people use okay. biomimicry for you know social innovation as well. So how does an ant colony organize itself, and what can we learn about organizational structures if we look at bee colonies or ant colonies? And so. In a way, you could say that the, the work we do with horses is, is biomimicry because we're looking at a 56 million year old system, which is the horse herd. They're the oldest, most successful mammal on the planet. Next to, I think the platypus is 100 million years old, but platypuses aren't as relational as horses. They're not, and they're not mammals. They're something, what are they? They're something, they're yeah, they're marsupials. What are they? Class. <laughs> right. They're not marsupials. They're like um, them and echidnas are in one echidnas, group. Echidnas, right. What it is. So they're yeah. like 100, 100 million years old. And you know, you can't put little halters on echidnas and, and platypuses. So oh, horses be so cute. <laughs> um, and so you're looking at, you know, you're working with a 56 million year old system that's highly successful. How do they organize themselves? Um, how do they lead? Uh, that whole idea of the mean gladiator stallion leading the harem of mares is actually not the way a horse herd is led. The horse herd is a matriarchy. And, um, and the leader is the one who, it, it's not the most gregarious horse. The leader is the one who's the most present and who cares the most and who um, 
supports the others to be confident leaders as well. So when you, when you see a horse herd, a functioning horse herd, I mean, there's definitely dysfunctional horse herds out there, but when you see a truly functional horse herd, you see an, a, a kind of uh, a system that supports every member of the herd to thrive. And so it's based on that principle that we, um, that I wrote the book on leadership and living and just uh, looked at the different systems of the horse herd and correlated them to how we could live and lead in a way that's much more, much more advantageous than how we're doing it now. That yeah. sounds fascinating. Yeah, and also I can't help but think of um, a few politicians around the world who maybe should read your book. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's, it's too bad that um, something like caring and caring for the whole and, um, and caring for your fellow human has suddenly become a political statement. To me, that's, that's just yeah. about ethics and morality. And, you know, 56 million years is a really long time. That means that the herd survived through tectonic shifts through comets, yeah. through plagues and pandemics, through wars, through climate spikes. And so there's something about the way they've organized that works um, because they're still thriving today. Uh, so those, those, there's seven, now listen, I've written the book and now I can't <laughs> remember, but there's, there's basically seven pillars of, of how they organize themselves. Care and presence is, really important. The one who cares the most, most, the one who's the most present is the one who leads. But the, the culture is one of safety, connection, peace, joy, and freedom. So think about like if we organized our, our institutions with safety, connection, peace, joy, and freedom, what that would do. Our education, like utopia. right? It would be perfect. So um, or maybe not perfect, but it would certainly be more in alignment with, I think, values that you and I share, for sure. Yeah. Oh, man, that's equally fascinating and depressing. <laughs> well, you know, we're in this really interesting time right now, right? And, um, and I don't mean that glibly. It's this whole coronavirus thing is, is changing the whole world. It will never be yeah. the same. It, it will not. And... Yeah. In times of disruption, whether you're looking at the natural world or the human world, and the human world is a natural world, anytime we've had great disruption, new things can be born. So if you have a forest fire, then new seedlings can you know, take root and, and flourish. So what are the new systems we wanna put into place? I, I'm asking myself that every day my, my daily life is very different right now than it was before the virus. And there are things that I don't want to return to. There is a certain pace in life that was not really sustainable. Um, there were relationships that, you know, really just in hindsight weren't that nourishing. So what is the new COVID, post-COVID world? What, what do we want to create in that world? And this is where coaching is so exciting because we get to work with people who are asking those kinds of questions, right? Mm. Yeah. What do you want to create? 
That's a great question. Then I'm going to ask you the same question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to create more spaciousness. You know, my days were really, I was moving at a faster and faster pace. Even, <clears throat> even though I have a great spiritual practice in the morning and you know, and I, and I work with horses a lot, so I have to slow down and work with them, but still I was jamming in more and more events, um, and technology was largely driving how fast my days were. So I think for me, I'd rather, I want to wake up every day without a knot in my stomach about how many things I have to jam into, you know, 48 hours or 24 hours. That's, so that's one thing. Um, I'd like to find a way to use technology to build more community around our business. Community seems to be like a, a big thing. So I, I look to you a lot in the ways, Magda, that you, you know, you, wow. I mean, you're so productive with webinars and courses and pulling people together and, and doing these kinds of things. And I, I always feel like I'm a member of a really large family with Kocharia. And even though it's so large, it feels intimate. And I just feel like oh, that that's is awesome. That's a, it's, a, it's a great, it's a great skill. And so I look to do more of that with our business as well, because you're, you reach across, you know, all these different countries and, um, that's just and and I would imagine across, you know, sectors and, and different people of different economic, you know, circumstances. And so, that's really cool. That that's something that I would like to to do more. Um, that's yeah. such a good compliment. Honestly, that makes me so happy. I have to stop and acknowledge it because it warms my heart. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, first of all, one thing I'm not doing well yet is launching the courses you talked about because there's one that we have in the works with you guys that has not gone up yet. So that's on me. That's, that's my happen. homework. But I know it will, but uh, you know, one thing has been really cool lately is with all this craziness, we, we launched the marketplace. We put a tool out there actually about six months ago with the intention of at some point utilizing that because we are this great community of these amazing um, coaches and non-coaches and we wanted to connect them in a meaningful way. So anyway, but now this COVID stuff happened and literally, this amazing, amazing thing happened where all these coaches started reaching out to, to me, to my business partner, Ram, just saying, hey, what can we do to give back? What can we not give back? What can we do to be of service, I should say? And um, all of a sudden, the marketplace became useful. And we opened it up and said, hey, if you are a professional, like a coach who um, is able to help people through a tough time, sign up. It's free. Uh, if you want to offer your services as paid, that's fine. If you want to put it as pro bono, that's great. Like we're not charging anything to connect you. And it's still early days, but we've had like over 300 coaches sign up, which is really, really cool and offering pro bono services. And um, a couple of days ago, I emailed everyone who's put up their listing to ask just anecdotes of what's been happening, have they been connecting with people and you know, there's been some really good stories. There's, there's one that comes to mind and I won't give details, 
but um, it's a man in one area of the world who ended up coaching a woman in a completely other area of the world. And, you know, he's an uh, independent business owner. He's doing really well. He's got a great life. And this woman is in an abusive relationship and her children were taken away and she has zero economic um, security. And it's just so cool that these two people found each other. And, you know, what, what he wrote in an email to me, he said, I feel like this, the conversation I had with her was the first time she was ever heard that someone actually listened to her. And for me, that was such a cool thing that happened. And I think with coaching, what I've learned in the past few years is we need to change what people think of when they think of coaching, the, the, the yes. connotation versus denotation, right? Yes. Even coming into this, my experience was really like coaching is for rich CEO male executives who just, you know, I don't even know actually what I thought coaching was for, <laughs> frankly. I just knew that it was for, or I knew, I thought I knew it was for rich men in suits, which I'm mm -hmm. obviously not. And I've learned that, oh man, like there's just so many areas where you can apply coaching because it was born out of therapy or not therapy, counseling, but it's better than therapy and has the same kind of, I think what people want to get from therapy, you can get from coaching because it's, it helps you figure out what are your blocks and helps you as in you, because you know what you're doing is just someone asking you the right questions to bring out, where do you want to get to? How are you going to get there? And with a good coach who has that generative thinking towards you, um, right. you really can accomplish anything. And like, what else is better than someone, a sounding board essentially, that really brings out the best in you and really helps you get to where you need to be versus dwelling on the past and, you know, well, how did I get here? Who cares? It's in the past. Like, move on. Um, and Yes. Anyway, I'm getting a little excited. No, I, I agree. I, I, think it's really I, agree. Cool. <laughs> I agree a thousand percent. It, um, I, I, I regret the word a little bit, coach, because I had um, trauma in my PE class as a, you know, an elementary school kid that was not very, I was not very uh, coordinated. So I, you know, coached like that word, you know, my, my PE coach, my soccer coach, my swim coach. Oh, I just don't even want to go there and because really the art form is it's very sacred you know you're holding the human heart you're not going in with agenda you're you're as as raw as rom said to me your position as a coach is very vulnerable because you don't know you know you're not the all-knowing wise one at all and you really are of service and it's so clean that way and pure and I, uh, I, I believe that there's a depth to the coaching relationship that's only just starting to get uncovered. And the more really good coaches that are out there, you know, uh, I have a little theory and I apologize in advance to the Buddhists, the practicing Buddhists, but um, this is just sort of my theory. But I had heard that the next... Buddha was uh, going to be called um, uh, uh, Maitreya, that that was the, the, the next Buddha who's coming. And loosely translated, Maitreya is the friend. And I thought, well, what if it's not 
what if the next Buddha isn't a person? What if the next Buddha is a consciousness, is a field? What if Maitreya is, you know, the friend, the coaches, this sort of sacred friend that really does listen and really asks powerful questions and allows somebody's true wisdom to come forward? So that's just my little what I wonder about sometimes when I'm <laughs> knocking around in my own mind, but it does feel like a very profound art form. And I'm really grateful that, that I get to be a part of that. Um, and that I, and I also get to hang out with cool people like yourself who have those same values, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I've been thinking a lot about values actually the, um, the past few, few weeks, I think, you know, there's no right way to be right now. Um, and it's funny, I've done actually, I think four different interviews in different ways this week and different aspects of how to spend this time comes up. Um, and some people are very firmly stuck on bit of productivity bit, others are on the complete opposite. And for me, like, it's it's really been about just having the space to think for better or for worse. Um, I think you I think people are prioritizing what's important because they're forced to prioritize what's important and they actually right. are getting in touch with with their values or at least putting words to their values. And I'm kind of seeing a theme from the conversations I'm having. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I just got off a call um, right before I got on with you. It was I do these things called wisdom circles and they're eight co cohorts and we meet together every other week for an hour and a half. And the question that we were asking was, let's, let's imagine for a moment, um, again, not to be flippant about the seriousness and gravity of this co co coronavirus, um, but since it's upon us, let's imagine for a moment that everything is meant to be just as it is. And what is this, what is the coronavirus and all the, circumstances you find yourself in what is it evoking in you who are you becoming you know as a result mm. and some really interesting answers came forth um and so i would pose that to you what what is it <laughs> evoking in you what do you what do you notice mm. is emerging in you as values as qualities and what's surprising you about that lots actually so um my life hasn't changed that much day to day because I work from home and I have been, I'm on a lot of Zoom calls. Uh, we aren't in total lockdown in Chicago, so I can still take my dog for a walk. I just mm -hmm. can't pet the neighborhood dogs. That's the biggest change in my life. <laughs> um, but because everybody else in my universe is changing, I've had to adjust to kind of their expectations a little bit and um, opportunities that are being presented. So, you know, um, one thing that I, I, that has changed and that I want to cultivate and create as a result is figuring out what are the good things about me that can be of service to other people and how do I bottle that and how do I scale it? Because I, you know, let's call a conversation. I've got a lot of different hangups about myself. I'm very self-critical. Um, you know, my favorite concept, unconditional positive regard. It's very hard for me to apply it to myself. And I know I'm not alone in thinking this, but I'm, I'm working on it. And I've grown a ton in the past couple of years. But what I haven't done yet is figure out how do I communicate that so that 
whatever I've learned, whatever I've been through, isn't just wasted on me because I'm just one person. There are so many other people that could benefit from what I've experienced. And before, uh, like, I guess my conditioning has always been, you know, like I, I am energetic. I do have shiny object syndrome. I do like, once you get me talking, I can't stop. And uh, sometimes I felt like, well, but nobody wants to listen. Like Magda, shut the F up, you know? Um, just be quiet, go back into your corner. Who are you to say you know anything? Like you don't. And um, what I'm realizing in the past few weeks is that maybe I don't know anything actually, and that's fine, but I've had experiences that for better or worse, people can relate to. Um, some are gonna hate me or be annoyed with me. And I'm okay with that. Cause like I've always been polarizing and I'm perfectly, I'm happy to not have half the planet in my life. I don't have time for half of you. So <laughs> the other ones who like me, come on, we'll have a, we'll have wine together um, and go for a horse ride. But, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out how can I communicate things in a, in a way that's accessible and authentic and doesn't sound like I'm trying to be narcissistic because that's another fear I have that the more I talk and go put my face on a screen, people are going to think I'm, oh, I just want to hear myself talk. Like, I, I really don't. <laughs> I do not want to see myself or hear myself. Mm. Um, so I've been doing, I've been trying new things. Um, it started with actually, uh, first was, was an Instagram post about kind of not body, body positivity, but body honesty, something I've been working on for a very long time. And I posted this first photo that will be of a series and kind of like a huge weight was off my shoulders because the best thing that I thought could happen actually happened. People commented yeah. with positive stories and they reached out to me and said, Hey Magda, like I, I could never do what you just did. And I'm like, yes, this is, this is awesome. So, <laughs> that, you know, other things for me, like doing these, uh, these interviews came, came out of that experience where I thought, mm -hmm. okay, I want to figure out how I can share my past and things I've learned and failures I've had, especially so that maybe somebody won't have to go through it. But even if they do and they feel like, shit, I'm an idiot because I'm the only person who's been there. No, I haven't. Magda's also been there and we can feel down about it together. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's what I'm learning and trying to kind of put some structure around. Um, yeah. Well, I love that because um, that's how I learn and grow is by hearing stories from other people. And sorry, that's my dog snoring behind me. Don't be uh, sorry. Where is he? Her name, her name is Katie. Her, sorry. She is so... Hi, baby. She is so bored right now. This is hey. the third, third hour <laughs> in the office. Oh, no. Full like, disclosure, wait. my dog has been by here twice and yes. he's smaller. So he goes up to me and he nudges my elbow. And I'm like, Sailor, it's okay. Right. <laughs> so he's like, grumble, 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 and he leaves. Right. Chew bones and whatever it takes. Um, but, Aww. you know, but that's how I learn. Like, I, 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 there are so many things that people don't talk about, right? Um, whether it's body image or sex or money or relationship and that isolation doesn't, it's not helpful. And you know, what I wouldn't do for a, a circle of 
you know, 12 sisters or even brothers and sisters. And we get to, you know, really be real. We get to talk about things that people just don't talk about. And, um, and, and first of all, learn that we're normal and learn that we're okay. And, and that's a slightly different thing than coaching, isn't it? That's a slightly different approach to self-realization and healing and wholeness is to yeah. have real conversations and yeah I've been there I've you know I've been married to a narcissist and this is what it's like and this is how I got out and this is how I needed to you know take care of myself or you know you talk about body image you know I've, I've had I had anorexia as a teenager what's that really about and how does that follow you throughout you know decades of being a woman and yeah there's so much to talk about so tons yeah so good ideas tell me i'm sh i have a i have a list and another list and another list but i started this only because of this whole entire situation right like before i was always right. making excuses whatever right. they were i was making excuses for why i'm not good enough to do this why it's not relevant and now yeah, for me, for me, the, the COVID has been just like, why not? Just freaking get over yourself and do it. Yeah, and totally. totally. I think, I think it's really like brave. <laughs> and I think it's really brave because it's vulnerable. And, uh, and I, I think it's terrific. So then did you organize these conversations with women with a similar thing in mind that, that really? you and, yeah. yeah. So is there somewhere yeah, we want to so get? Have... Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's do it. Do. Yes, I'm so excited. No, I I want world phenomena. So actually, there's a few things that I'm doing. That's, I'm that's why I said, you know, I'm trying to put a structure and figuring that out still because we all consume information differently and we get different stuff out of it, right? So yeah. on Instagram, I'm doing some of the body stuff. For example, today, I weighed myself live. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so courageous. Which, <laughs> that's so good. I don't know if it's courageous. It was just, you know, I just figured, well, I, I'm heavy. You know what? Who cares? I feel good. I look good. I don't care. Um, really but, gorgeous. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. So I did that. So that's kind of how I'm leveraging that. Um, I'm doing these videos through the Kocharia channel because I, like I said, we have these amazing women whose stories and abilities, whatever's I want to celebrate and support and coach Aria community wants to celebrate and support. Um, but equally, actually, uh, also on Wednesdays, I'm doing a little, uh, support session to these. So on LinkedIn live, I'm doing wonder comma women and wine. So instead of wonder women, it's women who wonder about stuff and have a glass of wine on LinkedIn yeah. live. Oh, very and nice. I've, I've done a few of those too. And, you know, like I, I, it's not spaghetti at the world by any means, but I'm trying different things to see what is going to get other women to be like, oh yeah, we're so cool. And men to be like, oh yeah, women are so cool. And um, <laughs> we can support each other and grow our businesses and grow our self-esteem and be an example to people who are growing up right now and to kids and, mm -hmm. you know, I, if I look back at this and I don't have any kids, but I have an amazing, my cousin's daughter, Hannah is like the coolest kid on the planet. If Hannah's in high school, I think it'd be really cool in her sociology class or something 
we're in a footnote somewhere. There's Auntie Magda's Wonder Woman series, maybe. That would be yeah, cool. Terrific. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. I'm all in. Yay. <laughs> so speaking of you being all in, so we talked about your amazing book. We talked about your work with horses and I still haven't been to your ranch. I need to come when this freaking lockdown fa finishes. Um, <laughs> how did you, how did you get here? How, why horses? Why coaching? Mm. Well, so, so probably the real story, you know, um, and it was probably not too dissimilar from, you know, a lot of women, but, um, so I was an introverted child and, um, and really pensive and, and, and I really worried a lot about the state of the world, even when I was really young. Um, my father was a narcissist and, um, very dysfunctional family growing up. He'd been married. Gosh, he's been, <laughs> I think he's been married four times. He may have been married more, more than that. So lots of, lots of confusion about belonging and, um, and, and worth. And so I learned I learned habits of survival that that caused me a lot of suffering, right? Habits like pleasing and caretaking and um, numbing, just lots of different things. My refuge was, fortunately I had a horse growing up, so I spent a lot of time on my own in nature, galloping around on my horse bareback. And, and in the strict tutelage of horses because they are very, very strict teachers. So, so it was a sort of paradox because on one hand I had this kind of idyllic nature child, you know, riding bareback and barefooted um, and no one knowing where I was and, and learning a lot from that world. And that is very wonderful. And then on the other side of the human world was just very confusing and, and very hard. Um, so I was looking for answers, you know, everywhere from the time I was quite small, um, looking for, in a way, sanity, you know, what, where is belonging and what is love and, you know, why are we alive and what's it all about and what for and what's the point of it? And these were all really lot big questions to ask as a kid. And, you know, it's quite possible this, these are questions kids ask. They just are silenced so much. Um, so that, that made me a, a seeker, a spiritual seeker in my 20s. Um, went to India. Uh, I, I spent many years, you know, in meditation and, and doing, working on, working on my version of what I thought enlightenment was, which was not what it was, but <laughs> I had some idea that Enlightenment meant that, you know, you would emerge as some kind of super avatar as oneself, you know, you would be more, more perfect version of oneself, more centered, more amazing, more, you know, less annoying to other people. And of course, that's not what it's about at all. <laughs> Took me a long time to figure that out. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I was... I was seduced by the advertising <laughs> that I would have mm -hmm. you know, a life free of suffering. Um, 
And I married a couple of spiritual teachers. You know, some women marry for, you know, wealth or status. I, <laughs> I was spiritually materialistic. I was young and I, um, I had a, a very, very hard road, very hard road uh, being in an intimate relationship with a couple of spiritual teachers whose, whose names I won't um, divulge. But I learned a lot in those years around um, ultimately trusting myself and, um, and having a relationship with the, with, you know, what do you, whatever you call it, God, the divine, the sacred, um, really that's between me and, and the divine period, no middleman, no middleman, um, and, or no middle woman. And, um, and so even though that was a kind of hard knocks, it, yeah, I'm grateful for it because it did take me to a place where I then wanted to be of service to others, but I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be like a meditation teacher. I didn't want to, I mm. just, I didn't trust any of that world. And, and I have to say with as much exposure as I'd had in that world, that there's very few people in that arena who are, who are the real deal. Very few. Mostly it's a lot of charlatans and a lot of very disturbed people with some personality disorders that like to be in those positions of, you know, guru or teacher. So how, how could I be of service in a way that was clean? I used that word earlier that really did serve the other person that didn't make me important that that you know elevated the person i was serving um and so i found i found coaching gosh i found coaching i mean i'm pretty new at it i found coaching about four years ago uh, received coaching but then just went for it i'm now a master coach so i just like went full bore into getting certified and getting my hours and, and doing that. So, so I came about it kind of, um, through, yeah, through the spiritual door, you know, not through the corporate door or anything like that. Um, and I think that's why I do hold it as such a sacred art. Um, and the horses, you know, they've just always, they've always been a part of my life. I, I had a stint as a horse trainer, uh, for many oh, cool. years. I, yep. I had a riding school. I, I rode professional dressage, um, was very dedicated to that, that craft and became very disillusioned with it. Just like I became disillusioned with a lot of the spiritual world. And because, you know, ultimately conventional horsemanship is all about, uh, power over power over a horse. You know, you have to be the boss and, there was something about that that didn't resonate with me uh, anymore, that, that I had to coerce and intimidate this beautiful being to be, you know, for me to ride around on their back or for, to do what I asked them to do or for them to be safe. And boy, you know, why would I want to coerce or intimidate anything? Like, why would I do that? So I had a bit of a uh, crisis of consciousness around of, of conscience around um, my horse world and uh, threw it all away and started over 
and trained with a man named Frederick Pignon, who is the founding trainer for Cavalia. Cavalia is like the... I know Cavalia, yeah. Yeah, there's white horses running around doing, you know, without a saddle or bridle. And so I got to train with him. And that turned my world upside down completely. And it's totally in alignment with the ethics of coaching, you know, the integrity and regard of wholeness that we hold for the other, you know, the, the other. So when I started to relate to my horses in that way, wow, um, this magical being emerged who had such an intelligence. Um, it, it's amazing to me with their strength that they don't just crush people because they, they're so patient with our, <laughs> with our um, ignorance. And when you treat them with a, a huge degree of respect and they get to have a choice in the partnership, in that relationship, then all this intelligence emerges and they, and they, um, they offer it to you as a way to see yourself through their eyes and they never lie. And it is, they tell you whether you're present or not, whether you're authentic or not, whether you're safe and trustworthy, whether you're worth their time. Um, and, and, and what would make you worth their time? And, um, and so my job as their trainer, as my horse's trainer, is that I have to be interesting, kind, trustworthy, and joyful enough that they would want to spend time with me. And that makes me a better human. So when I coupled this with coaching, then you had this magnificent mirror of the horse on one hand, and then my... Um, you know, deep questions on another. And it just makes this really cool combination where um, people, people get a glimpse of who they are th that like they never imagined. Most everybody has a sense that uh, even the most grandiose people, especially the most grandiose people, that they don't quite measure up, you know, they're not quite enough. They, you know, there's all these little things about them that is that might be broken or need healing and the horses show, come with this like impeccable mirror that breaks people open in this beautiful way so it's a real privilege to do to do that work i feel like i've been talking a long time so that's it in a nutshell it's an interview with you that's a good thing <laughs> <laughs> and can you please uh tell us how to find your programs with horses where do people go so equusinspired.com, equus is the Latin word for horse and you spell it E-Q with two U's, E-Q-U-U-S and inspired.com. And okay. that's, that's our website. And so, you know, people can come here. We're, we're even playing with, um, like you're playing, can we do virtual sessions? Can we get people with the camera on the herd and people tuning in? and and see what the horses do i i have no idea i'm going to play with that hmm. yeah so. yeah i think that'd be interesting yeah. i think look i'm an animal nut so maybe i'm in the minority but just watching animals is such a calming thing and um maybe it won't be the same thing as you do face to face but something a different program could emerge a different exactly. way of learning could emerge yeah yeah exactly 
Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see them and meet them. We only had one horse when I was growing up because I, I grew up in a small village in Poland. Mm-hmm. And um, we lived with my mom's parents who had pigs and, um, and chickens and vegetables and flowers and things. And then my dad's mom had a small farm uh, about like 10 minutes away, not very far. But she had cows and ducks and chickens and she had a horse. His name was Chestnut, Kasztan in Polish. And he was a workhorse because that's what horses do on farms. And he was so sweet. And he was always kind to me. He's the only horse friend I ever had. So I'm looking forward to meeting your, your, your herd so I can make some more horse friends. Yeah, they make very, very good friends. <laughs> they do. They really do. They're very special. Yeah. Yeah, I relate to animals better than people, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Kelly, this was wonderful to talk to you and to Martha, learn about thank you. your journey. And yeah. I'm so excited for your book. That yeah, thank sounds you so amazing. much Thanks so much for that. We'll do something fun with Kocharia, like some kind of giveaway or something we can, we'll play. We have to do something. Yeah, book us in because something tells me you're going to be on, you know, Hidden Brain and all the other cool <laughs> podcasts. And then you'll be well, like, then... Magda who? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I tell you, I, I will have to learn how to be a very confident public speaker that I get. And just that, you know, I can do this one-on-one, like I know there's a lot of people listening, but you know, just to have you there is really nice. Boy, put me on stage and I break out into a cold sweat. So I got to work on that. Oh, same here. Yeah. (laughs) hundred percent. When I do these videos, even if I know a thousand people are going to be watching, I don't care because what I see is you. Right. And then me randomly in the corner and that's okay. Right. So um, I'll make you a deal. When you go on your book tour, I can go on the audience and I can, I don't know. Just send be hugs, me all hold. that good energy that you have. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah, that'll Fine. be great. Yeah. Okay. Done and Thanks. done. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah. You have a lovely See you afternoon. soon. Bye. You too. Bye.